and welcome to episode four of the Pirates of the Airways podcast. I'm Mark Wakeley, one of the people behind the land-based pirate radio of the 70s and 80s Facebook group. In these podcasts, I'm chatting to some of the people involved in pirate radio of the 1970s and 1980s about their time in this secret but not-so-secret world. In this episode, I'm talking to one of the Mersey pirates, whose involvement include time with Radio Jackie North, Merseyland Alternative Radio, Radio Xanadu, one of the many Radio Veronicas, and Channel 5 before Channel 5. The listeners of the Northwest would have been listening to Steve West, but his wife, his children, and his dog know him as Steve Leyland. But before we start, if you were one of those radio rebels and you want to tell the world about how you changed the face of UK radio, or just spent your weekends at the top of tower blocks in windy conditions risking your life for entertainment, or you just have a comment about the pod, then get in touch at piratepod7080 at gmail.com or via the Facebook group. And before I go any further, let me thank the good people at piratearchive.net and amfm.org.uk for their help in the production of this podcast. Okay, let's start our chat with Steve Leyland. Hi and welcome to the Pirates of the Airways podcast. This week, our guest is uh, the remarkable Steve Leyland from Liverpool. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Mark. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I hope I find you well. Yes, not too bad, understood, Ned. I'm going to start by asking you the same question I ask everybody at the beginning of the podcast, which is when did you first become aware of pirate radio as opposed to just listening to the radio? Well, it was a very different world back in the uh, late 70s when I was a teenager. When the television finished, about 11 midnight or something like that, there was nothing else to do. You know, there was no entertainment apart from you either read a book or you listened to the radio. That's one thing I used to do a lot of, reading and listening to the radio. And one night I was sort of tuning around and heard this wonderful musical sort of prog rock music come in from my um, radio speaker. It turned out it was a little ship on the North Sea called Radio Caroline, coming from the uh, MV Me Amigo. So I used to listen to that on a regular basis. So what was what was the Me Amigo signal like on Merseyside? Because obviously we were in the southeast, and on Sundays it was appalling. Oh, it was dreadful. I ended up buying a loop antenna from a guy in Blackpool. He was making them. Uh, Barry... Barry and Ruth Johnson, I think it was. They, they made loop antennas. And, you know, for a fiver, you, you sent your fiver off and this big wooden frame arrived with all the wires wrapped around it and you put it next to your radio, turn the capacitor in the middle and boom! You know, the station improved vastly <laughs> in quality. And you found that Caroline was li- Caroline was listenable in that, in that situation? Listenable, yeah. Sort of on an anorak level, you know, not, you, you wouldn't exactly call it hi-fi, but it was, it was about Radio Luxembourg sort of quality, you know, you could listen to it. And then one evening, later, early morning actually, very late at night, I was tuning around in a different place and there was this powerful signal Sounded like the guy was in the room next door with a very deep, gruff voice. And it turned out that this was a, a local engineer called Bert Williams. And he was going on and on about how an 807 valve works. And I was like, what the, what's this on the radio? What's he going on about? You know, where's the music? 
but he went into great detail about how these transmitting valves worked. And it was riveting stuff. He didn't know what was going to come out of the next. And I ended up working with him later on, many years later. But my involvement didn't start then. It started when I heard a local voice, a scouse voice, playing similar music to Radio Caroline. And that was Rick Dane from Radio Jackie North. He'd previously been doing um, a station called, what was it called? Radio Free Liverpool from the fields. Oh, the dog's, dog's woofing at something. Um, yeah, Radio Free Liverpool from the fields uh, as Eric Day. He then became Eric, well, his real name was Eric Haydock. He's sadly passed away now, so we're not going to get him into any trouble. Um, he called himself Rick Dane on Radio Jackie North, and he was asking for help. This is Radio Jackie North, the sound of free radio. Broadcasting to Liverpool, Manchester, Preston, Wales and Warrington. And we broadcast every Sunday afternoon on 217 on a frequency of 1394 kilocycles. Programs now commencing from 12 or 1 o'clock onwards. Anyway, that was the sound of uh, ELO from New World Records. First of all, Above the Clouds, uh, followed up by Do You Do You Want My Love? Can we get one Radio Jackie North badge? Well, all you need to do is send 25p and a blank postloader in the form of a blank postloader along with a stamped desk envelope to Radio Jackie North, Box 217, 100 Whitechapel, Liverpool 1. Once again, that's Radio Jackie North, Box 217, 100 Whitechapel, Liverpool 1, 25 pence in a blank postloader along with a stamped desk envelope as well for your very own Radio Jackie North badge. And those people who send for a badge will automatically get some stickers free. Uh, if you just want some stickers, well, just send us a stamp address envelope. And don't forget when you do writers, tell us what the reception's like, uh, where you're listening from, and uh, very important, what sort of radio you're listening on, okay? So that's 25p, uh, blank post loader, and along with a stamp address envelope. Your very own Radio Jackie North badge. Right, I'm going to move on a track now from... Uh... You know, that's too much for me doing all this on my own. So I thought, well, you know, I've, I've bought a few records based on what I've heard on Caroline, so, you know, I, I could do that. I could play a bit of good music. So um, there was a, a rock night announced. It was at um, a club in Kew Brook called Annabelle's. And uh, it's called the Radio Jackie North Rock Night. So I turned up, gave my phone number to the DJ. Heard nothing since, you know, uh, a few months went by. And then uh, I got a phone call. I was summoned to a field somewhere out in West Derby in Liverpool. And there, there was this fella, same fella that was on the uh, the DJ at the Rock Night. A long piece of wire and a catapult, a couple of car batteries and a magical little silver box. Now, my job was to basically be the lookout and blow a whistle if I saw them coming. And then it was a case of grab the equipment and run as fast as you possibly could, which was uh, 
it was quite easy to escape because uh, Ron and Gordon, the uh, fellows from the GPO, as it was back then, were uh, not exactly young and fit, shall we say. So it was quite easy to get away from them. Eventually, anyway, um, went to another rock night. By then we'd moved on to um, the old Eric's Club, which had been renamed Brady's, and was then renamed again Radio Jackie North's Cave, directly over the road from the old Cavern Club in uh, Liverpool. Rick went off to smooge, what's the word? (laughs) Schmooze, that's the word. Some some young lady in a dark corner, as was his uh, want. And... um, I was put on the decks for a couple of hours. Anyway, I must have passed the audition because he said the next week, right, you've got a show, you're on the air. And that was it, you know. And by then, it was no longer in the fields. We'd found a derelict tower block. That was a very dodgy council estate called Cantrell Farm. Very dodgy indeed. Even, you know, even if you went to the corner shop, you were in danger because there was a heroin epidemic going on at the time. Um, even the corner shop had, you know, polythene barriers between you and any, anything you wanted to purchase. And you had to go to like a grill at the, and pay at the till and then the system to go around and get what you wanted. It was that dodgy. Anyway, this tower block was scheduled for demolition. And um, I think there was about half a dozen people living in this 22-floor you know, tower block. Um, but Rick had skeleton keys for every flat, every doorway, and even the roof... I don't know how he got them. He'd either bribed the caretaker, but he he told me he used to be a locksmith, but uh, I don't believe that. Um, He'd obviously gotten some nefarious way. And um, we had the run of the tower block, basically. So every week, we'd put the equipment in a different flat, the studio equipment. Then we'd put the transmitter in another flat, and the aerial would go from somewhere else, which, of course, made it very hard for the um, GPO to track us down. And basically, we could just, just sit in the studio looking out the window and laughing at them because they couldn't find us. So Radio Jackie North then was going live from this tower block and on 217, am I right? 217 and latterly 317 because um, when the Me Amigo sank, we thought, ooh, nice empty channel there. <laughs> so 963 kilohertz, we put some aerial up. And there's another story, putting that aerial up. It was a horizontal aerial between two 22-floor tower blocks. I was on one roof, Rick was on the other roof, with no means of communication. We didn't have mobile phones, or not even walkie-talkies back then. And Rick had pulled too much slack. So I had to hang out over the edge of the roof. And it was a windy day. Now, it's windy on the ground. It gets a lot windier 22 floors up in the sky. One gust of wind and I landed on my arse, fortunately about half a centimetre away from the edge of the tower block. And certain death, if I'd have um, been another half an inch further towards the edge, that would have been it. It never ceases to amaze me how many risks people took in those days. I've never done tower block work. I only ever broadcast from fields and from houses uh, on medium wave. And a lot of my friends were, were FM pirates in London. And they all tell me all kinds of stories about being at the top of tower blocks and all kinds of things. No, I couldn't have done it. I just couldn't have done it. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been my thing. So how much sort of power were you running then on medium wave and what sort of area were you covering? Um, the 217, I'd say it was about 150 watts, 4807 valves, anode modulated. 
great big heavy transformer that weighed a ton. Actually went on fire once as well. The amount of thick black smoke that comes from one of those is... Oh, walked into the flat and you, know, you couldn't see two feet in front of you. But um, the 317 was about 500 watts on that 963, so that covered a good part of good part of the north of England because it was a nice clear channel, you know. Yeah, so I mean, I assume you're most of the northwest, so Liverpool, Manchester. And everything in between, Warrington, Wigan, all those sort of places. Yeah, North Wales, even down to the Midlands. To me, that that's very impressive. It's it's also quite ambitious to put that kind of power out, uh, especially at that time. And we're talking early, late seventies, early eighties, aren't we? And and I, I, to me, that's that's uh, that's impressive, <laughs> very impressive on medium wave. So Radio Jackie North lasted for I don't know five or six years. Was it on the air for? Yeah, 83 have finished, and I think it started around 78, 79, so, yeah, something like that. Yeah, 83 is a little bit before I packed it all in um, with my station, which was on a tiny scale compared with, with Jackie North. So after Jackie North finishes, what's your next move? Where do you where do you go? Why did it finish, first of all, and then what was your next move? Oh, uh, Rick was getting fed up with it, basically. He was quite a depressive fella, um, which we later discovered, sadly, when he took his own life. Um, he was just fed up with it, so he said, I'm calling it a day. The Moody Blues, 1970. And question. Question is, uh, who snapped our aerial? We'll find out before long, don't worry. There's two incidents we've had uh, in the last uh, two Sundays. Last week, the uh, tuning changed. Somebody had uh, an attempt at snapping the aerial. This week, it's gone completely. That's the 317 aerial, of course, and not the 217 aerial, if you uh, see what I mean. If you just tuned in and you're wondering what's been going on, well, we've been off the air for, well, we've been off the air on 317 for over half an hour, I think. Um, we've uh, now changed over aerials uh, to, uh, we've tuned or put our 317 transmitter on 217, so we're uh, well, on 317, so if any confusion. Um, so uh, we're on 317, if uh, nothing else, through until 8 o'clock tonight. I think this is rather appropriate. I said, well, OK, I'm not fed up with it. I'm going to put my own on, um, which I did. Um, unoriginally, I called it Radio Veronica. <laughs> You're not the only land-based Radio Veronica that I know of, put it that way. <laughs> we had the jingles, you know, so that was that. Was nice. Often while stations use use that sort of thing, I think. There was a few swinging Radio Englands about as well back in the uh, early 80s. So you, you, Radio Veronica, what sort of format? How Are you running again on medium wave? Um, similar sort of setup. Yeah, that was I think it was twelve forty-two kilohertz, two four one meters, and um, only about fifty watts, hundred watts at tops. I think it was uh, two eight oh sevens. It actually got a reception report from a fellow called Stig in Denmark, which was quite impressive, and that was just from a. a a bedsit on the ground floor with a, a wire going up to a lamppost. It didn't do too badly at all, that. 
Mind you, this guy in Denmark was using his central heating system as an antenna. So it could probably pick up everything from all over the world, I'd imagine. Um, and was there? Could you hear the the Irish stations as well? Quite well, where were you? Uh... Oh, and Nova started that. Was absolutely boomed in. It was more powerful than the local ILR, I think. More powerful than Radio City on AM. Yeah, again, I interviewed Steve Marshall, who was involved in the Irish Pirates. It seemed to me that they were all running kilowatts as opposed to hundreds of watts. Oh, well, they had proper masts and everything, didn't they? Uh, Sunshine Radio as well. Yeah, yeah, that that came in very well. I've still got sweatshirts from them. (laughs) Well, I I definitely heard Nova in London. And I think I've heard Radio Dublin in London as well around that time. And it's that thing where you tune around late at night and you hear these stations. Always quite interesting. So, Veronica, what sort of format? Was it a rock format again or were you doing something else? Oh, yeah, mostly rock, yeah. Time open up to 12 noon, which means oh, I've lost count of how many hours we've been on the air. We've been on the air continuously except for about an hour. We just worked out 26 hours we've now been on the air. We switched on at half ten yesterday morning. Sorry? 25 and a half. Oh, yeah. It was half ten. We were half an hour late on Saturday, which was yesterday. <laughs> we've been awake all... We've been awake since then. Radio Veronica on 241, 24 hours a day. That weekends, anyway. Um, it later morphed into a station called Channel 5. Because at that time, there were only four TV channels, so I thought of the name Channel 5 before the TV Channel 5 did. Should have sued them for copyright, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, and that was a more alternative sort of um, station, you know, all sorts of weird indie music and industrial music and... We had, um, you know, alternative DJs on, playing whatever they wanted, really. Good times, good times. So now you've got Channel 5 and you're running that. What what sort of attention were you getting from the authorities and what were the authorities like in the Northwest? Because obviously in London we had, you know, the people everybody knew, Gots and, and so on and so forth. Did you have a similar group of people who you knew who they were um, in the Northwest? Oh, we had Ron and Gordon, yeah, but, but they weren't as... Um, Gots did come up to Merseyside once, and obviously they thought, you know, there's all these pirates on in Merseyside, and, you know, the existing crew aren't doing anything much because they're still going on. I think at one stage it was about 20 pirates on of a weekend, you know, in Merseyside. Only about three or four in Liverpool, most of them were on the Wirral side, which is where I am. But yeah, Ron and Gordon, Ron Bird and Gordon Yates. Used to be the guys. Let, let me just explain to people who, because we have listeners in America and all over the world, Merseyside is split into two basically, and the River Mersey runs right through the middle of it. So on the northern side, you have Liverpool. And on the southern side, you've got the Wirral, which is New Brighton, Tranmere, Hoylake, all the all those sort of places. So th- this is the thing, Liverpool or Merseyside is split into to two things. So 20-odd stations seems a lot for, I mean, London's got, I don't know how many million people it had at the time, 8 million people in London, the southeast. Not that many in Merseyside, obviously. Yet you've got eight stations, oh, sorry, 20-odd stations running on the average Sunday. Um, I assume that's FM and AM and shortwave and... Well, mostly uh, mostly AM back in those days. I could go on to the FM period um, in the 2000s, but that's a bit off topic, isn't it, for um, 
we'll get on to your later radio life uh, in a bit. So, because being in London, you know, I'd heard of, of the two big stations I knew of um, in Merseyside were Radio Jackie North and um, uh, Merseyland Alternative. They were the two big stations that I knew of that existed. There was Staunton Community, I think, was another one, wasn't it? These were the stations that I knew about at the time uh, in London. I, I read the free radio fanzines and stuff, and there was reports in there. Soundwaves was my magazine of choice at the time. And I knew that these stations existed. So it, it was quite a... Did you all know each other? Was it a very um, a very pally scene? Oh, it was yeah. Quite amicable, yeah. We always have meetings um, in the pub over in Boodle. You know, all, all the pirates, all, we'd all get together and, you know, if anyone needed technical help, you know, there was, there was no problem. We even lent each other transmitters, if need be. None of this pinching rigs like uh, you hear about going on down in London. Well, I, I think that became that came along later in London. I think at, uh, certainly when I was operating, you know, we'd all DF each other and go and say hello. And, you know, there was sort of a protocol that you, that you followed, not to spook anybody, uh, basically. But, uh, uh, I mean, I, I think probably on the average Sunday in London, there was probably between 15 and 20 stations, FM and AM, around that time as well. Of course, it, it absolutely exploded later on when the, the the big stations Kiss and so on came on, and the, they they were making a lot of money as well, Horizon, Solar, Kiss, JFM, you know, as you say, the big dance stations came on and it really exploded. And and also, of course, the twenty four hour thing was there twenty four hour stations in Liverpool as well. Oh yeah, um, not not another ones I was on, um, but uh, SCR certainly were, probably. Um... Radio Mersey Waves as well, which was one of Bert's that he went on to after Merseyland Alternative Radio. North Coast Radio springs to mind. Yeah, that that that's um, again a very impressive feat for people to do it on an amateur level. I think um, to run a twenty-four hour radio station. I know I I don't know if you heard the the interview I did with uh, Nick Catford from Radio Jackie, but of course, <laughs> yeah, they they handed their control over to one guy who ran the whole thing. And it seemed to work very well for them. And obviously, they're still about. Um, I see that Merseyland Alternative have a have a website where they run. Do they still run on the internet? Yes, of course. And um, of course, anybody that happens to be relaying their perfectly legal internet stream onto the broadcast band has absolutely nothing to do with them. <laughs> if you catch my drift. So you you're now doing Channel Five, and it's an alternative music thing. How long did that last for? And what what happened to that in the end? Oh, I think it's just a couple of years, I suppose. And then I think we all just lost interest and moved on to other things, you know. OK, other things within radio or just other things generally? Well, I, I got myself a job and a girl and had a couple of kids and, you know, you just don't find the time for things like that anymore until, until I think it was two, 2000. I was uh, recruited back to the... Um, Pirate airwaves, <laughs> but more about that later, I suppose. So this is where we are with Channel 5 now. You've done this. You decided that's it for me for the moment. I think we all went through that, getting a wife, getting children and all that sort of thing. My last foray really was with the Radio Shoestring, which was a sort of a local community thing or quite a big operation, 24-hour operation in East London. And um, I think around the same time as you, probably actually stopped doing radio. 
the, the thing I'm most interested in talking to you is the general scene in Liverpool. I mean, how, how connected were you with the guys in London? I know that Nick Catford brought a, a transmitter out for Radio Jackie North at one point and did so, he, he did a few programmes for them as well, from what I gather. He did indeed, yeah. I spoke, I spoke to uh, Nick a couple of years ago about Jackie North and I said, did Rick ever ask you if it was OK to call it Radio Jackie North? And he said no. <laughs> but, but I didn't mind, honestly. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I thought, Rick, you should have asked first, you know. It's only polite. <laughs> well, I think there was a certain amount of gentlemen's agreement among, among stations, usually, not to nick people's names. And uh... I believe, believe Nick also supplied NAR's first transmitter. Oh, right, OK. Before Burr's, well, no, after Burr's, he supplied John Dwyer with... Uh, a transmitter or two. Were, were there many transmitter builders in Merseyside or was was it a bit of a specialist thing, you know, one or two people who everybody knew? Um, was, the, well, it was Bert, obviously. He was the best transmitter builder. You know, it was really wonderful. Um, I've still got one in storage somewhere. Must resist temptation. And um, Rick started building his own. And Martin C of SCR... Also, Andy Davis, who was good at building um, transmitters, particularly FM ones. I assume an FM thing happened in Merseyside, like it did everywhere else. What sort of thing was that? Was that, again, a dance music thing, or just some guys thinking, right, we'll try FM out now? Andy's, uh, another, yet again, another Veronica it was on FM. Um, that was just pop music, really. No sort of dance stuff, and not in that decade anyway. You know, more towards the two thousands when all the dance stuff started up. So, so Liverpool had had this scene, onward scene going all the time, and just stations renewing themselves and people jumping from station to station and and, and doing what they were doing. Yeah, people had people had start their own station because they weren't happy with the management of the previous one. You know, and then you get another station splitting off from that one. <laughs> self-perpetuating sort of um, pirate scene. Yes, I think it's very very much the, the, the nature of pirate radios. The, these people who are moving from station and, and starting their own things. I must admit, I was one of those people as well. But anyway, that, that's another story altogether. Um, certainly not on the level you were. So what happens then? So we, we get to the end of the, uh, the 80s and there's a few FM stations on. Like in London, does it become a big dance music radio scene then? Yeah, yeah. Um, one big station was um, Maser UK. There was Sound FM, um, Z100. I'm probably going to offend lots of people by forgetting their stations now, but those were the main dance stations that I can remember. Of course, not my cup of tea musically, so I can't say I listened very much. No, no. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of respect for these guys because a lot of them are still doing it. In London, there are still, I think we can safely say, tens, maybe if not hundreds of stations that are on and off all the time. If I'm honest, I don't really see the point in playing dance music on the radio because if you're going to dance, you don't want to do it in a nightclub, you're not going to do it sitting in your armchair listening to the radio, are you? I think it's like anything. Um, there, If you've got music... Some people want to listen to it and they do get quite a lot of listeners, these guys. And they and they also they create their own scene. You know, uh, a lot of the stations also do a lot of promotion for the presenters, for the club nights and so on and so forth. And many artists have 
become famous purely because of the pirate radio scene, who probably never would have got any airplay anywhere else. That's very true, yeah. Um, I always prefer music, you know, with instruments and lyrics that you can listen to, but maybe that's just me being an old fuddy-duddy. I think that's probably an age thing more than anything else, Steve, to be brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> are you involved now, or do you do it, not, not necessarily in pirate radio, but are you involved in radio now? Do you still do stuff? Um, are you do an occasional bank holiday show for Merseyland Alternative Radio, um, which is still going online. MAR.ME.UK, should anyone fancy a, a, a listen? You know, they're still going. And um, up until last year, I was doing a show on the Album Zone, which is relayed via several stations, including Radio Caroline, RTI, and a couple of other stations. But um, I ended up sort of giving that up because I just didn't have the time or the peace and quiet in this place to... <laughs> to do any recordings so no I, I understand that and do you miss it do you miss the whole pirate scene or is it you've been there done that oh too old for all that now yeah couldn't be bothered going up tower block roofs now and you know i can't even stand on a balcony now without fear of falling you know those those dreams you get when you're falling and you never hit the ground I had those for years afterwards were raids regular were people being raided all the time in the 70s, late 70s, yeah, but not so much in the 80s. You know, the, Ron Gordon turned up once, knocked on my door, and they didn't even have a warrant. So they were politely told to go away. And that was it. They never came back. I was like, oh, well, we're going to have to move, because you know, they'll be back. But they never came back. Were you ever Were you ever caught yourself? Were you ever convicted yourself? Not until about 2005. They finally caught up with me. I was a bit silly. I had to... 50-foot scaffold mast on the back of the house with a big FM aerial on top of it. So it wasn't hard to spot the pirates, especially when uh, a local community radio station complains that you're stealing their listener, apparently. What, what, was, that, what was that station called? Oh, I don't know. The, the station that got raided. Yeah, well, the station that you, you were running at the time. Uh, that was Radio Xanadu on FM. Again, a rock station? Of course, yes. Yeah. Sounds like a rush connection. Well, that was one of the theme tunes. Also, the Dave Dozy, Deaky, Mick and Titch. You'll hear my voice on the wind. Good theme tune. You sort of carried on with it on and off for a while. Was Xanadu a big operation or was it um, something that just... Uh... It was a continuation of um, a station with a rather dodgy name that uh, I was roped back into doing in... About 2000, I think it was, 2001. I'm terrible with dates, so don't quote me on that. I think called Weed FM on 106.1. Strictly reggae at first. And um, it was promoting the use of certain herbal substances. I bet the authorities love that. They raided it every week. Every week the door came in. But I discovered radio automation software by then. So all I got was a transmitter and a crappy old computer with radio automation software and voice-linked DJs. So, you know, it was replaceable. It was hard work replacing it all, setting up a new computer every week, getting a new transmitter every week. But um, the guy was determined, you know, he, he wasn't, wasn't going to give up. He used to break into houses in Tosteth, abandoned houses, and smash the roof tiles off and stick scaffold poles up through in broad daylight. You know, he didn't care. I mean, I, I've heard, again doing this and, and speaking to people and reading stuff. I've heard many stories of people using derelict houses and, uh, and empty flats. By the time the station I was running went off the air, we were using someone's house. I was paying someone 
for the electricity and the use of the house. And it was fine. We never we never got raided there. So it worked out fine. It's it's really nice to talk to someone not from London. I, I know a lot about the London scene. I was quite involved up until about, I said, 85. And Liverpool was the other place we always thought was quite a hotbed of pirate radio. It certainly was. And it doesn't get enough of a mention, does it? The guys on the ships, you know, they get a lot of press and you know, a lot of attention. And the guys in London, but the guys up in Liverpool, it's as if we've forgotten about, you know. Thank you very much, Steve, for talking to me about the Liverpool pirate scene. That sounds good to me. Thanks for listening to the Pirates of the Airways podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, then please click the follow button or the subscribe button and leave a review. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode or have any comments, then you can email us on piratepod7080 at gmail.com or go to the Landbase Pirate Radio 70s and 80s Facebook group. We'll be back on the 10th of August with a new episode where we'll be talking to another Pirate of the Airwaves. This is a 1386 audio production.